Hello, and welcome to the History Teacher Podcast, and to a special episode that takes a different form to normal. This month, we'll be taking students on a tour of the First World War battlefields, and so as to make the trip relatable and relevant to the students, we'll be focusing on two key areas. Firstly, on underage soldiers, and secondly, on soldiers that were from the same areas as our students, namely Leeds and Harrogate, or Harrogate, depending on your preference, or where you live. And pretty much all of the information that I have to share with the students about soldiers of what was known as the Great War from Harrogate comes from a book called Harrogate Terriers, the 1-5th Territorial Battalion West Yorkshire Regiment in the Great War by a man called John Sheehan. And luckily for us, not only is John able to research and write up excellent and incredibly useful history books, he's also a really nice man. Because he volunteered to speak to me about the experience of the regiment and of the men of the Harrogate area on the podcast so that we can listen and the students can listen along to find out some of the information behind the stories and the things that we're going to see when we're out there on the Western Front itself. But it should also be incredibly useful or interesting for anybody who's from this area or has visited the Western Front or has any interest in Harrogate. If you are interested in this topic, I can strongly recommend his book, which you can find on Amazon and other places besides. And and when you hear some of the stories that John has, I think you'll get a good flavour for how very interesting his book is. We'll discuss over this two-part special how the Harrogate Terriers came into existence and what happened to them during the notorious Battles of the Somme in France and Passchendaele in Belgium. So, sit back, relax, pull your history pants on and let's get stuck into the Harrogate Terriers during the Great War. Hello, John. Nice to speak to you. It's, uh, it's Adam. John agreed to speak to us on the telephone because he's a long way from where our school is. He's all the way down in Surrey. And uh, he volunteered himself via Twitter over the weekend when I saw him tweeting about his book and replied to say how very excellent I thought the book was. And without being prompted, he said, uh, well, if there's anything I can help to make the trip a success then just let me know. And so, here we are, on the phone, talking about the Harrogate Terriers. A huge thank you, because, well, you offered help without even being asked. And uh, I think that's the sort of kindness that makes the world a happier place. So thank you very much for that. Yeah. And well, look, I got a lot out of education. And um, to be honest, like, at some stage, I did want to go into teaching. I've got to do the PGCE and all of that, you know, start, you know from scratch. Um, oh, you do? You want to be a history teacher, do you? Yeah, Oh, Absolutely. fantastic. But um, uh, what, I, what I know at the moment is, I, you know, we all owe a huge amount to teachers. And um, to be honest, if I can put something in at this stage, then I'm completely happy to. And, and I suppose we should probably also mention that um, everything that we talk about today can be found in a very, very good book. So I don't know if you want to give any details about the book and where people could get it from. Yeah, the book's called Harrogate Terriers. Um, and it's by me, John Sheehan, 
and it's available uh, in all good bookshops, as they always say, particularly with what's going in Harrogate, also on Amazon um, and other um, electronic outlets. It's mm. published by Pen and Sword, and it came out in 2017, um, and it sold pretty well. Um, I think it's nearing the end of the run, so if anybody wants one, um, I'd advise them to grab it pretty quickly. Yeah, or on Kindle. Uh, especially the oh, students, yeah. because they've um, the the Rossett School. A lot of the students have iPads at school, so they they are they automatically have a way of getting it, even if it runs out of the first print. Um, and uh, so yeah, what? So the first question, I suppose, is: Did you say you live in Surrey? That's where you are at the moment. Yeah, yeah? that's right. I've so, been down to work. So, um, I lived in Harrogate from two thousand and seven, two thousand and fourteen. Ah. I see. So yeah. I, was, I was wondering what got you interested in the Harrogate Pals or the Harrogate Terriers. Yeah, uh, exactly so. Um, and uh, we were there for work and we expected, well, I expected to, to live out my days in Harrogate, but we had to come back to Surrey, to the southeast, for my wife's work. But yeah. when we retire, we're coming back to Yorkshire ah. without any question. <laughs> <laughs> to God's own county. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> um, so well, if we go to the start of, of the war, and yeah. uh, how is it that the, the men of the Harrogate... Well, I probably should start. Why are they called the Harrogate Terriers? Um, why is really the book called the Harrogate Terriers? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, when I first started researching them, so it was about 2011, I think, um, I was looking for the Harrogate Pals because an old friend of mine who's also a teacher at another school in Harrogate invited me on uh, a Battlefields trip um, to, to help him out. So I, I was going to go, and he said... Can you look into whether there was such a thing as the Harrogate Pals? Because he'd heard about the whole Pals, Manchester Pals, Accrington Pals, Leeds Pals, yeah. each of the battalions of men who were recruited locally in their cities or towns, and they formed military units together at the beginning of the First World War. Mm. And the idea was that they would fight together and they would stick together and they would fight better because they knew each other and because they were all mates, they'd all look after each other. Um, and that was a big part of the British Army um, um, from uh, mid-August mm. 2014. So uh, my friend, the other teacher, said to me, is there any such thing as a Harrogate Pal? So I looked, started looking into it, and I did a bit of Googling, as you always do. Yeah. Um, and I went down to the library, and I had a chat with some people, and it turned out that actually there was such a thing as the Harrogate Pals. Um, it was a group of um, very senior men. Everything was all about men in 1940. Yeah. Women didn't really get a look in. Mm. Um, on uh, Harrogate Borough Council, including the mayor, decided when war broke out on the 4th of August that they were going to do their bit and they were going to get together a group of Harrogate uh, lads and young men and to form a battalion locally, and they call it the Harrogate Pals. Um, the chap who was in charge of this was called uh, Fred Kelly, and um, he had a very high regard for himself, and he had a, lot, a few quid as well. He'd drive around in his car, and mm. obviously there weren't very many cars in those days, and using that as a way of recruiting by offering um, lads lifts in his, his car, and he would take them to the recruiting station and sign them up. And I'm not sure they always knew what they were going to do when they got <laughs> in the car, but there we go. So he just drive um, he just drive around Harrogate trying to encourage yeah. young men to to get in his car. <laughs> yeah, 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 I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he, he had a big megaphone and he'd stop his car 
every now and again is stand on the boot and stand up and make a speech about how um, the uh, wicked Germans have invaded Belgium uh, and that the uh, German army was treating the Belgian civilians very badly, which there's some truth in in, a, in actual fact. Yeah. Um, there was there's always a t- torture and rape and things like that. But he he would try and encourage local Harrogate uh, boys and men to join up. Mm. So and he would he would he would do that on the promise of, of basically giving them a lift in his car to York. <laughs> Yeah. Um, or to uh, Westminster Chambers in Harrogate, which is um, just up near Montpellier, where um, he would sign them up. And he had some mates who did the same thing, and they called themselves the Harrogate Defence League. Yeah. Um, and the Harrogate Pals was the group of young men who came out of that and formed the basis, really, for the 5th Battalion of the... Uh, West Yorkshire Regiment, mm. which went out to the front in April 1915, so what, six or seven months later. Now, they called Harrogate Pals then. They were called the Harrogate Pals by local people, but also by the press. Um, but once I'd been researching this for three or four months, I had a chat with somebody at the York Army Museum and said, oh, you can't call them Pals because the army didn't know them as Pals. They weren't the Pals Battalion. So I had the problem of what do I call them? I can't call them pals because the army will get upset, yeah. even though they call themselves pals. Um, so I, I spoke to my publisher, and we agreed to call them Harrogate Terriers. The reason they're called Terriers yeah. is because they used to be in the Territorial Army. The 5th Battalion was the ter- ah. local Territorial Army, mm. which was based at the Drill Hall in Commercial Street, mm. um, not far from Marks and Spencer's, near where I used to live, in Harrogate. Um, and the shortened form for territorial soldiers was terriers. And they were part-time soldiers before the war. Mm. You can imagine, uh, life in those days was, was very tough. There was no TV, no Xboxes. Um, mm. There often wasn't enough to eat. They'll, all, they'll already be sat there thinking, my goodness me, that sounds like hell on earth. No yeah, Xboxes. Exactly. <laughs> the, t- <laughs> the students listening to this. Wait, wait before you go on with the, the well, oh, them yeah, yeah. juicing to join, do you mean the drill hall was near the Marks and Spencers in the centre of Harrogate or the one on the, the Marks and Spencers food on Leeds Road? Oh, no, no, the one in the centre. Ah, right, OK. Um, so, yeah, um, it's by... Um, it's the one that's now an old furniture store. Ah, OK, right. Yeah, yeah it's got great big turrets on the top. Yeah. Um, okay. If you see it, it's, the top, it's on Strawberry Dale. Yeah. Basically, it's the junction of Strawberry Dale and Commercial Street. Ah, right, okay. Uh, I've, I lived uh, in Franklin Road, and that's part of the reason why um, I became interested. Yeah. Uh, so, so the cool. the, the people would uh, the, the soldiers would uh, march along to go to there to join up, or that's where they would go and do their training. Well, um, before the war started, they would yeah. go there on a Tuesday night and a Thursday night, um, and a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Um, and they would do a bit of training, so they do a bit of marching about or whatever, and, and drilling and parading, just like the Army and RAF cadets do now in exactly the same place. Yeah. Um, but they'd also go to a rifle range at Burke Crag, down near Pennypot, <coughs> excuse me, where they'd uh, do musketry, uh, which is the old word for, um, for shooting, and they'd, they'd shoot at targets using Millie Enfield rifles. Um, and they'd also, once a year, go on an annual camp, which is huge fun for them. Mm. So you get 
um, a group of lads who wanted to spend some time together and sick to death of their families because they have families all, you know, all in one room and not much mm. to eat and they were working hard. So with their mates, they joined the Territorial Army. They go on the annual camp for two weeks, uh, which was in Scarborough in Imagine so, yeah. Yeah. And a couple of nights later, the, uh, the night train from King's Cross to Edinburgh went by and they put holes in the roof for that as well. I'm not sure what they thought that was. <laughs> the Germans are so organised that they managed to put a trail on our railway network to invade. Exactly. exactly. Crazy yeah. stuff. So, so they were called. So they they couldn't be called officially a pals battalion because they weren't raised upon the outbreak of war. They were, uh, they were encouraged. To, the men of Harrogate were encouraged to dry, join a territorial regiment that already existed, or a territorial yeah. battalion. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Okay. Exactly. So. so. I should point out at this stage what a territorial force was. Britain only had a very small army compared to most other powerful nations during the period before the First World War. For example, Germany had an army of approximately 840,000 men in 1914, but the British Expeditionary Force was around 120,000 men. The British Expeditionary Force was the army that would go overseas to fight, 
i.e. on expeditions. Dangerous ones. But it was obvious that if we were ever to be invaded by a nation like Germany, then we'd be massively outnumbered if the Germans actually managed to land their army in Britain. So, in addition to the British Expeditionary Force, which went on dangerous expeditions around the world to fight, we had the Territorial Army, which stayed in our own territory to defend our territory, e.g. Britain. The Territorial Army was a part-time army, so the soldiers had other jobs as well, uh, that was not intended to fight abroad, and the Harrogate Terriers was a territorial regiment. When war did break out and we needed a much larger army, the territorial regiments across the country were asked to volunteer to serve abroad, and many did, including our very own Harrogate Terriers. Upon the outbreak of war, then, did it expand? Yeah, um... The total number of men there should have been in the battalion on the outbreak of war was about 1,020, but there were only about 600 odd in it. Mm. So they had to fill it up, and the first load of people who came in were the reserves. These were old soldiers who'd um, finished their service with the army, a lot of them fought in the Boer War and, and whatnot. Mm. Um, and they were called up on the uh, outbreak of war, and they were brought into the 5th Battalion, um, you would have thought it would be a good thing to have old soldiers, but the trouble was that they thought they were better soldiers than anybody else. They wouldn't take mm. orders from anybody, so they had to get rid of some of that. Yeah. And some of them were very unfit as well. Um, they were getting on a bit in years, and they drank a few pints too many, so they got rid of some of that. <laughs> but then you had the um, the new people that were recruited by Fred Kelly from the Harrogate Defence League that I was talking about uh, earlier. That's the man with his car. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. You had this mixture of your original part-time soldiers who were there on a uh, Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday and like to pint at the annual camp. Then you had uh, the reservists, who were proper soldiers who were called up. And then you had the people who'd never had anything to do with the army at all, but Fred Kelly went round um, scooping them up. And obviously, you know, they'd give them white feathers if they didn't join, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, OK. Um, so, after the war broke out and the uh, the Terriers started to expand and, and new soldiers, new recruits joined, how how long afterwards was it before they actually went out to France and what were they doing in between? OK, well, that's a really interesting question because what you had was this group of blokes with all different levels of military experience, I was just saying, mm. um, and you had to turn them into a unit... Um, that was able to hold the trench and not all be killed in the first couple of hours of arriving. Mm. Um, and you had to get them fit. And bear in mind in those days that the food wasn't very good and um, people were much shorter than they are now and they generally worked very well. They had all sorts of ailments, you know, like um, dodgy feet and uh, no teeth, you know, things like that that we wouldn't expect to see today. Yeah. Um, so the first thing was to try and get them fit and healthy. So they took them to a camp in Strensall, north of York, um, and they spent some time on the Naysmire in York as well, marching about. Mm. The officers, um, the, the senior officers, were quite surprised at actually how unfit a lot of them were. On the first route march, route march I think they did 11 miles, and only about three-quarters of them actually made it to the end. Mm. Um, it was on a hot day, but they just were totally unfit. So six months after they were all recruited, they were they were got fit. They were taught discipline, which meant they you know didn't think for themselves too much. They just did what they were told from now on. 
Mm. Um, and they were fed well to, uh, to, to fill them out, to get them uh, stronger. And they were taught to shoot a rifle. On one occasion, I think they were taught how to dig trenches, but not really. Um, nobody knew that much about trenches. So they weren't really ready at all for the Western Front when they left. But what they were was, was fit, strong and able to take orders. Right, OK. Good. Well, maybe we should send some of our students up to this camp. It, it sounds like yeah, a good well, idea. I'd love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, my, my dad always said to me I'd be no good in the army because you have to get up on time. <laughs> So we found some of the history of the regiment, why it was formed, how they recruited during the First World War and even how they trained. But I think it's time that we took a trip across the channel to find out what happened to them over on the Western Front. And it, it's, it's amazing that three of the places that I've always taken students to on the, on the battlefields are, yeah. are three key places for the, for the, the Harrogate Terriers in that... Uh, Teepval Wood on the Somme. Yeah. You always go to yeah. Teepval. Tynecot, uh, the, yeah. the, the huge cemetery uh, in Ypres, and Essex Farm as well, which is always a, a standard trip because of the dressing station that still exists. And, and all three yeah. are, are key to, to the Harrogate area and to, to this battalion. So if I fast forward to our, our first stop, on our tour is is uh, Tietval Wood on the Somme. So why is yeah. that such an important place for the for the Harrogate Terriers? Right. Okay. So um, Tietval Wood is on the Somme, as you say. Mm. And if you imagine the Battle of the Somme uh, was a British attack against uh, the German army, which started on the first of July, nineteen sixteen, and the attack was over a front of about sixteen miles. And Tietfel is bang in the middle of that. And therefore, militarily, probably the most important point. Because if the British could seize the German lines at Tietfel, it would break right through the middle of the German army. So on the 1st of July, when the whistles blew in the trenches and uh, everybody went over the top, they went running uphill, well, Mm. They were fast walking, but some of them were running, believe it or not, mm. to try and capture a German stronghold called the Schwaben Redoubt at the yeah. top of the hill, which was bristling with machine guns. Now, the first people up that hill were the Irishmen of the 36th uh, Ulster Division, and they got absolutely mown down. The 5th Battalion of the West Yorkshire Regiment, including mostly um, boys and men from Harrogate and York, uh, were next up, and they were just about to attack out at Teepvalwood um, when the colonel was called to meet the general, who's the most senior officer, who said, actually, you're not going to go that way. You're going to go in a different direction now. You're going to go towards Teepvalwood Village to try and knock out the machine guns there. Now, if you can imagine mm. at that point that they were all in the wood, they were in trenches in the wood, they were wearing their marching gear, including coats and rucksacks and things like that. They weren't really ready to attack, and they were told to go in a different direction and try and get out of the wood on the eastern side. Meanwhile, the wood was being shelled with gas by the Germans, so it was you couldn't see anything. Mm. Um, you couldn't take your gas mask off because you'd choke and probably die. 
Um, you were surrounded by dead and dying soldiers who'd gone up in the first attack and had fallen back into the world, so that you had to move bodies out of the way wherever you went. And they had to get across the world in about half an hour to attack Tupanol Village. And they had a go at it. But as soon as they got out of the world on the eastern side, um, they were um, unable to make any progress. And those that did get through remained by, down by German uh, machine guns. Mm. So it was a disaster. They withdrew back into the wood, and that was just on the 1st of July. And then later that night, they were given another suicide order to march up to the Swaben Wood out in the dark. Um, now, it was almost impossible to see because it was so dark. They were still being gassed and bombed, and they tried to make it, but only Colonel Wood. Um, made it into the Schwaben Redoubt with a group of about 30 soldiers, and they stayed there for about a day fighting off German counterattacks until they realised they were very much on their own when they turned around and came back downhill to the wood. Um, and Ker Colonel Wood um, left the battalion at that point, and we think he was one of the first people that was known to have suffered from shell shock. Mm. But it didn't say shell shock, it just said he had to go to hospital didn't say he was wounded physically, but almost certainly it was suffering from shell shock. Um, but as you know, um, it wasn't accepted by the generals that shell shock actually existed in those days. So it's not in any official records, but personally I'm certain that that's what he was suffering from. Yeah. So um, we're going to go up to um, Mill Hills. Is it called Mill Hill Cemetery or Mill Road Cemetery? Mill Road. Mill Road, yeah, that's the one, yeah. Is, yeah that, it, is that... Um, is the Schwaben route just behind the Ulster Tower, or is that around about where Mill Road Cemetery is? No, if, if, when, when you're in Mill Road Cemetery, yeah. so you're standing in front of Connaught. Connaught Cemetery is in front of the wood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're going to go. We're going to go in there as well. Yeah. Yeah, if you yeah. go in there first. Yeah. Actually, there's a, a very interesting grave to have a look at. Okay. Um, it's um, uh, Herbert. Can't remember his surname now. He's buried there. He was a Harrogate boy, and his mum never accepted that he died. Um, she could never believe it, but he was buried there. I think he was killed on the first day. Um, if you have a look around there, when you come out, is he there, is he called Herbert Skinner? Because I've got him. I've I've written made some notes to make sure I know what I'm talking about when I when I'm uh, when I'm with the students next week. Yeah. Well, only because I've read your book. <laughs> so. The strange thing is, Adam. Though, once you've written a book. Yeah. It's very hard, and people expect you to know everything. Yeah, so I don't expect really you to know everything. Don't you worry about that. Um, Good. Okay. Brilliant. Because, well, I'll tell you another thing. I'll let you behind the curtain of being a history teacher. If you're a history teacher, never go to a pub quiz because people expect you to know everything yeah, that has ever happened in any any era of history around the world. Um, exactly. No, I, I would never admit to it. <laughs> but, um, that's a brilliant idea. Um, but, yeah, Herbert um, Skinner is buried there. Can have a look at his gravestone at the bottom? Yeah, um, we will. The, um, um, the quotation is quite interesting because she doesn't accept that he was dead, it just says loved by all. In other words, she doesn't accept necessarily mm. that he's been killed. But as you come out of um, Connell Cemetery, you look up the hill, there's a path or a track that takes you up to Mill Road Cemetery. Yeah. Um, now, if you go up there, you yep. are following the track of those who attacked on the first day at the Somme. The, the night the attack. Ulster. Oh, you mean the, uh, the, Ulster, the Ulsters? Yeah, the Ulsters yeah. attacked yeah. up there. But also, uh, Colonel Wood went up there, but a little bit 
actually towards the village from you, yeah. into the Schwaben Redoubt, because Mill, Mill Road is sitting on top of Schwaben Redoubt. Ah, I wondered if it yeah. was, yeah. Have you, have you noticed some of the uh, gravestones? Yeah, yeah. That's because the tunnels of the Redoubt are underneath, and if the uh, gravestones were upright, then they'd fall into the tunnel. Right. Um, I quite enjoy telling the kids that. Mm, yeah. In the cemetery, don't tell them before. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> No, we... and the whole thing might collapse into a great big pit. <laughs> it's, ne it's never happened as far as I'm aware. But if you if you stand there, you'll see the um, um, you can see down to the wood. Mm -hmm. um, and if you look slightly to the left, that's where Colonel Wood came from the wood up into the shard and the doubt. So he sort of went behind you and then down to the right and back into the wood. Right. Okay. Um, and. Um, then on the 3rd of September, so that was about, um, what, six weeks later, or no, two months later, um, the 5th Battalion were back in the wood. And this was for a big attack on um, the front line, just to the right, in front of the Ulster Tower. Um, and it was a part of the German front line, which is called the Pope's Nose. Mm. Now, the 36th Battalion of the Ulsters were a Protestant uh, battalion. And the Pope's nose had been a, uh, a machine gun nest since the first day of the song. And mm. they called it Pope's nose uh, because it was a bit crooked. <laughs> and because, obviously, being a Protestant uh, battalion, they made that sort of joke. But the name stuck. And the job of the 5th Battalion West Yorkshire, the Harrogate Terriers, was to attack the Pope's nose. Right. But General, General Haig knew that unless that machine gun nest could be taken out, the Shard and Redoubt would never be seen. Mm. But what he also knew was that it was frankly impossible right. without Tebal Village being taken first. But nonetheless, the 5th Battalion and their mates from Bradford and Leeds um, were ordered to attack, and they did on the morning of the 3rd of September, um, and they were decimated. Um, the machine guns just took them all out. There were very few officers left. Um, most of the men had to go back. Mm. Um, later on, General Haig criticised them and accused them of having the will to not having the will to fight properly. Um, yeah. And the fact they were a territorial or regiment or terriers meant they weren't proper soldiers, and that it was their fault that they failed to see Pope's nose. Uh, whereas, in actual fact, it was always known to be an impossible objective, and that. The reason why the men didn't make it was because all their officers were killed and that almost all of them who went over the top went as far as it was humanly possible to go before falling back. Mm. So, the so, so the reputation was in tatters and totally. it wasn't their fault really. And, and it's interesting that you mentioned that on the 3rd of September they attacked with the Leeds and uh, Bradford. Is it, was yeah. it the Leeds and Bradford Pals? Or was it, did it, uh, no, no, they, did, no I they, they were Terriers as well. The Leeds and Bradford Pals were, um, I think, the 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th battalions. These were the... Uh, they were, the yeah. Forces. I think it... They were definitely the 16th and the 18th because the um they, these are two other of my books that I'm currently pouring through because oh yeah um the ha some of our school intake are from Leeds and some are from Harrogate so we're gonna follow yeah. some of the Leeds pals story as as well as the Harrogate terriers and yeah. any boy soldiers, um uh, to make it more yeah. more relevant to the students so it's it's you it's interesting to know that they actually attacked out there with 
Um, yeah. Troops from Leeds and Bradford and Harrogate, and my family are from Bradford, so they get the odd Bradford story thrown in on the oh, trip for good measure. Well, the um, the the fifth battalion was Harrogate and York. Mm. The sixth battalion was Bradford, and mm. the seventh and eighth were the Leeds Rifles. Right. Okay. So it's and a, they fought together in the same brigade. So wherever the fifth battalion went, usually mm. they were fighting right alongside. Uh, Bradford and Leeds. So just like our school then. So, but especially yeah, well, yeah. the Le- the Leeds bit, the Leeds bit anyway, not so much the Bradford bit. And that's part one of our two-part special on the Harrogate Terriers during the First World War. If you enjoyed it, please do give us a good rating on iTunes and a comment wouldn't go amiss. Pass the podcast on to others who might also find it interesting and of course subscribe so that you don't miss part two, which covers the Harrogate Terriers' experiences around the Belgian town of Ypres, or Wipers as the British troops called it at the time. You can always email any questions, comments or requests to historyteacherpodcast at gmail.com and you can follow on Twitter at histteacherpod. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you can join us for the next History Teacher Podcast. (laughs) 